0: Hello and welcome to Rigakuru Podcast. Artificial intelligence has been on the news a lot lately. Ever wondered if AI and robots could replace scientists? What if humans and machines can collaborate to inspire each other? Would that allow us to design next generation solid state batteries that can charge in minutes? Our guest today is Professor Taro Hitosugi, who got into a sales job after his PhD and then return to science with a broad understanding of how he can help the society. Solids are hard materials, mm-hmm. but that's not always true. Uh, and that's what solid state chemistry deals with. So, can you tell me more about what solid state chemistry is? So, let's
1: think about the cell phone. So, can you imagine what kind of devices are used in this device? Like uh, memory? Mm-hmm. Bat- Speaker, Speakers. battery, yeah, cameras, cameras. Yeah, so many devices are used and I would say, except two, all of them are solids. So solids are material but uh, it's functional, that's a fun part of solid state chemistry. And then uh, two devices that contains liquid in this cell phone. One is liquid crystal display, which is the screen. Yeah, yeah. And the other is battery. Now it's lithium-ion battery, and both of them are going to solids. The research is going to solids. So that if we think about the direction of technology, many things are going to solids so let's think about light so in the ancient we used a fire to get a light and after that like edison edison used this uh vacuum bulb, and then a filament and like like this uh fluorescent light all also uses vacuum and gases and now we use led a very small solid device so technology's direction is gas, liquid, to solids. That's same as computer. In the past, we used vacuum tube, and now we use silicon. So many things are going to uh, solid, and then uh, we use function. So that, that, to do that, solid state chemistry is very important, playing a very important role.
0: So why would you say solids are not hard materials uh, when you look at it from the perspective of solid state chemistry? Mm-hmm. Solid is not
1: always hard. It it can change the shape, or even ions move. Though that's a that's a battery. So solid is usually we think that the ions are placed and then um,
0: ions never move. Right, so they're, they're tightly bound together. Yeah, that's the that,
1: that's, that's definition. That may be the definition of solids, but the, that is changing. Mm-hmm. Ions move around and then uh, change shape. Nowadays, we think that ions are moving in solids. So we have, we have to change our mind to this hard material to soft solid uh,
0: state chemistry. It seems like solid state chemistry is everywhere in our lives. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Like yeah. you said, it's in, it's in our mobile phones, yeah. it's in our laptops and yeah. TVs. Yeah. yeah, and these and,
1: structures are also solid. Right. These are walls and uh, yeah.
0: Right, right. Glasses. Yeah, well, well, many well, mean. but you particularly work on batteries. Now that I work color. on batteries, yes. Right. Can you tell us why do we need solid state batteries? Are there any advantages when compared to batteries that are not solid state mm-hmm.
1: i I said that the first I I'll talk about the direction of technology. I said that the many things are becoming solids like light, and also why why that direction is has advantage is that the solids if it becomes solid it it's become the more smaller and more robust, it doesn't break. Like if it's liquid, it leaks out. Or it, has, it needs less energy to move, so energy efficient. So that is an advantage of solid. And then if we turn our eyes to lithium ion battery and the solid state battery, same, same thing happens. So the liquid doesn't leak out so it doesn't burn. So solid-state battery is more safe. It's light and then uh, small. Also, one good part for solid is that uh, it's heat resistant. So, you, you know, if you charge the battery, you feel that it becomes hot.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, especially right. the iPhones. The yeah,
1: iPhone yeah, 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 yeah. So those, uh, we have to restrict the how much current we pass through the battery so, because it becomes hot. But the solid state battery, it's heat resistant, so we can pass through more current. That means more ions, so you can charge faster. As opposed to like,
0: like a liquid electrolyte.
1: Yeah, if we compare with liquid and solid one, we can pass through more, more ions, so we can charge more fast. So that's one advantage. So in the future, we can
0: charge this battery in more short time. When you say batteries, there are three components, right? Uh, uh, Two electrodes, Mm -hmm. uh, cathode and anode, and then there's electrolyte in between. Yes. So the regular batteries might have liquid electrolyte, uh, which is what uh, one uses in cars, right? Um, In the car engines. Is lithium ion liquid?
1: uh, The definition of lithium-ion battery is that they use liquid electrolyte. Mm-hmm. That we call lithium-ion battery. A solid one
0: we call all sol- solid-state battery. So all the both electrolyte and the uh, electrodes are solids mm-hmm. in yeah. solid-state uh, yeah. batteries, and because of that, they are more energy efficient. Yep. You can pass current much more easily. Yeah. Which means you can charge your phone battery or laptop battery very quickly yeah so that's right and that's one of the main advantages of uh, solid-state battery yeah yeah yeah. i would
1: say it's the main
0: advantage and uh, can you give us any examples of where these are actually being used you said in our phones iphone has a lithium-ion battery which mm-hmm. is not a solid-state battery mm-hmm. um, can you give us examples of where these batteries are being used most most of
1: the researchers are interested in using this solid-state battery in car, electric car. So nowadays people a very long time to charge the car. That is one problem. So if you can charge more sh- in a short time, then uh, you can uh, this uh, driving
0: experience would be much much enhanced. And, uh, right. If you can charge your battery in five minutes, yeah, you yeah, get yeah, out, and that's always that's right. Uh, Good. Yeah. Yes, that's the direction. Okay. Talking about lithium-ion batteries, recently there was a news where lithium-ion batteries in an electric car caught fire in near somewhere near Sydney Airport. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us why that happened? Mm-hmm. Yes, because
1: if you use liquid electrolyte, then that leaks out, and then that liquid electrolyte is easy to burn so it catch fire. That's why this we cannot bring a bat, large battery into the plane.
0: Mm-hmm. It's restricted. It's the same same uh, mechanism. Right, so essentially whenever, if there's a leak then it's easy for it to catch fire. Yeah. And is it also true that the chemical reactions in there cause the heat which might cause them to explore. Yes, that's right. Right, so which something like that would not happen with solid-state batteries. No, because it doesn't you happen. you don't have the liquid. Mm. Thinking about developing batteries with high performance and better uh, charging rate, what are some challenges that you face in doing so?
1: Yeah, I, I would say there's three. One is that, that we need good solid electrolyte. So that means ions pass through very fast, those materials are needed. So there's so many competition in the world. The second one is the interface. So you said that we need cathode, anode, and electrolyte. And ions have to go through cathode and anode back and forth. In that case, always there's an interface between different materials. So ions have to go pass through this interface. And sometimes this interface becomes very, very large barrier for ions to go through. So having a good interface, the smooth ion mobility in this interface is very important. And third one is the mass production technology. So we have to make solid-state battery very cheap with large volume. That's, that's really a challenge, especially for battery company. So those are three points that are facing our challenge, facing the challenge.
0: Right, and you mentioned the high resistance between solid electrolyte and solid uh, electrode, mm-hmm. which is one of the main challenges in developing these high-performance, solid-state yes. batteries. Do you have any idea of how to overcome this high-resistance problem? Yeah, that, that is a
1: research topic itself. And then, what what we have to do is that we want to move ions
0: smoothly at the interface. So essentially, if you consider a wall as a battery, And you have wood on either sides which are like electrodes and then you have the cement wall in between these wood wooden walls Mm -hmm. and that cement wall is the electrolyte and so now if you want to pass some ion through this wall with two wooden walls and a cement wall in between Mm -hmm. there is a high resistance when the ion needs to pass through the boundary yeah the wooden wall and the cement that's right Right, and so please continue. How, how do you overcome this? Yeah,
1: so in that case, it's natural that, that if two materials meet then there's something happens at the interface. There's a reaction and then form different material at the interface. Then if that happens and that may impede the ion this mobility so that's why the first strategy is that uh, if there is no this uh, impeding layer then we can have a smooth interface uh, so one strategy is that uh, we should keep in mind what if the two materials meet if there is no reaction then we can have a good interface. That's a first strategy, yes, and then it's indeed, it's working. So that we now, if you use our technology, we can predict whether this reaction occurs or not. I would say there's two, that, that's one way. And second one is that we artificially insert a layer at the interface to protect the reaction. So, if we have a very thin layer and that makes this a simple separ- becomes a separator between the cathode and then uh, electrolyte, then no reaction occurs between these two. so we insert artificial layer so that that's a two way that uh, nowadays are uh, the solid state battery
0: technologies are using so essentially when you insert another material in between mm-hmm. at the boundary, mm-hmm. wouldn't that again change the resistance? Wouldn't that increase the resistance? Yeah, that, that may happen.
1: That, so in order to uh, overcome that, we insert good ion conductor at the interface or make the, this layer thin so that the total resistance does not go up. That's a strategy
0: right so finding these materials is another challenge in itself it seems yes right? yes and you also use machine learning yes and, and robots yes to discover these new materials that That's you can right. actually use in these batteries yes can you tell us more about that yeah
1: your point is very nice so we want to find good materials or good interface layer good solid electrolyte we want to speed up and for doing that we now use machine learning and robots and then use those systems to get the many data of materials and then utilize that data to predict new materials and then robots do the research, do the experiments. So we call this autonomous experiment. So we let the system do the experiment, and we, we just uh, ask them to do it. We, the computer decides what to do next, and that, that runs then. this we call closed loop. By the way, did you, did you see the system? We
0: did, we did. Oh, that's good. It
1: looked that... like a sci-fi set. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's the future of the research. The computer and human synergy synergistic, and then do research. And the computer part
0: is done by robots and then, uh, yeah, those machine learning algorithms. It's really fascinating to even think about this possibility that you as researchers come up with some ideas and then you feed that into a machine which learns from the data that you provide Mm -hmm. and then comes up with certain Criteria for these new material Mm -hmm. and then sends that information to the robots and the robots actually make these materials in the lab Yes, everything happens in one single room. Yes with all these equipment. Yeah, it's so fascinating to even think about that. Yeah And it also makes me wonder would this replace any jobs for Researchers. No, I don't think so. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's that's very good question so what I think is that that
1: Repetitive work, the experiment always has a repetitive work. Even though it's creative work, always there's a repetitive work. Those repetitive works are done by those robot systems. And then we do more creative work and then ask the robots to do the the repetitive work. And so the human is doing always creative work. AI and robots only can do repetitive part. uh, like optimization part nowadays, so uh, always human and robot system are collaborating, and not not just not the taking robots taking the humans' job.
0: That that's not the way we think. Right, and and that's kind of what one would think about when somebody says, "Oh, a robot is actually doing experiments in the lab," and that's what somebody would think, <clears throat> which is actually not true, as <clears throat> you say. <throat> Essentially, these robots and these machine learning algorithms need human creativity to give them the data and the instructions yeah. as to what we want and they do the repetitive tasks yeah. and based on that, you again, researchers will gain the information yeah. and then work on what it means yeah. to, the, uh, to the research. Yeah, these robots and the
1: data system inspire us because they get, they can get uh, so many data or so, can do so many experiments. So they inspire us. They, if they inspire us, we can do more creative work. So it's a good partner for pursuing research.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a good collaboration yeah. uh, between machines and, and humans. Yeah, I'm sure th- this particular method of doing research has a lot of advantages. But I'd like to uh, hear from you what mm-hmm do you think are the advantages? I would
1: say the advantage is the inspiring human. Yeah, there's. let, let me think of the stage. First stage, people think that if we use robots, then you can shorten time or efficiency goes up. Yeah, that, that's the first level. But after that, we can get so many data. So we we utilize data to get the new perspective. So if you can do so many experiments, we can go to uh, explore this uh, large exploration space. So, and then collect the data. So we can have like a bird's eye view or perspective view of materials. And then we find a new region to pursue. So, I think the main part, main
0: advantage is to h- inspire humans. That, that's really very interesting to hear that you inspire the machines and then the machines inspire you yeah. back with, with the algorithms and yeah. with, with the machine learning that they do. Uh, well, I would like to understand where your fascination began in terms of solid state chemistry. Can you tell me more about your motivation Mm -hmm. for studying solid-state chemistry? Yeah, that's a good question.
1: When I was a high school student, there was a large jump in physics and chemistry. That is the discovery of high-TC superconductor. And in the 1980s, there was a finding of new materials. So that we in, in the scientific world, we say that the, this high t c t c is a superconducting transition temperature high t c fever and so many people are excited about these findings and then after finding this material and the next year it became a Nobel Prize usually getting a Nobel Prize takes a long time right but this finding was so impressive that the, every scientist understand this impact and then immediately become a Prize. That That is an uh, event I saw
0: in when I was a high school student. To backtrack again, mm-hmm. when you say high-TC superconductor, a superconductor essentially has zero resistance yes. at a certain very cold temperature. Right but the in case of high tc superconductor the resistance can go down to close to zero even at higher temperature and that's why it's called high High tc that's right and that's one of the reasons why it won uh, the Nobel prize yeah that's right is that because you can now use it at room temperature which which would improve a lot of things uh, around us including transportation and uh, conduct electric conduct Energy
1: storage, and then, uh, yeah,
0: so, so many uh, advantages. Superconductor is
1: always this dream for me to find a room temperature superconductor. So that drives me this research. And then, if we want to find a good superconductor, we want to do really original research. And then, that originality comes from other fields. That's one part. So in the 1980s, people were looking only at metallic materials. But actually this high-TC superconductor was oxide materials. So this science, material science is very fun because so many unexpected materials uh, show different properties. So I'm working on batteries. But the, that battery materials may become superconductor, and why I do uh, machine learning in robot is to find a, a room temperature superconductor. So the, my uh, back in the high uh, high school student, I saw the solids this uh, big jump in physics and chemistry. That is the motivation
0: of studying the solid state material. Right. So it, it seems like it. You have a big dream of finding out these materials yeah. that would have a huge impact on the society. Yes. Because su- superconductors, if they, are, if they can work at room temperatures, are going to change a lot of yes. things around us. Yes,
1: we would reduce CO2 and then energy to this problem and then uh, yeah, it definitely change uh, the world. So that, that is what, uh,
0: what a dream as a scientist. Right, I, I really hope that comes true in your mm-hmm. future. Thank you. And um, my final question is, do you have any advice for students interested in this kind of research? Mm-hmm. And, and would, do you have any suggestions for any resources like books and, uh, that might inspire mm-hmm. high school students mm-hmm. to learn more about this?
1: Yes, this is a good question. And I always tell students that uh, originality, the importance of originality as a researcher, or or any job. You you do any job, but you need originality. Originality means that uh, do something different from others. This, the way people think is that if they are average, they are satisfied. Or uh, if they are the same as other people, then they feel like safe. But uh, that is not the uh, uh, attitude for scientists. If you want to find something, then you have to do something different from others. That I always tell students. So I'm a professor, but uh, still doing challenge. And don't don't uh, be uh, just sitting the uh, a desk and then... Uh, no, I uh, was
0: always moving around and then challenging and then be different from others I think that's a great advice to think differently to think outside the, the average right. and think beyond what is just normal so being different from others that is
1: important but nowadays being different from and yeah, robots that's what the human have to do right. so that gives me a, a feeling
0: that the originality or challenge as a human is more important. I definitely agree and even for you to train these machines, you need to be original, you need to have the original idea to train them and they can work for you, essentially collaborate with you. Yep. That's really fascinating and finally do you have any recommendations for say books or any other resources for mm-hmm. students? What I recommend
1: is that uh, get a broad view. If you want to be a good scientist, then if you only know chem- if you only study chemistry, that would not deepen your research. If you have a very broad perspective, like a history or uh, many social understand social problems or understand politics, and then totally we know the direction of our society and then we can set our research topic and then that, that would benefit the society. So I always think that the very broad view is important and then that uh, is always good for any, any job, not only scientists. And then so I always tell students to read, Broad area, not the specific area. Yeah, that that recommendation is that uh, don't stick to one field. Because th- let me talk about my experience. I'm now research professor, but I was doing marketing and sales when I was uh, like thirty year thirty years old, wow. twenty years ago. So I did a different job, but now I'm a scientist. And then uh, those different view is. What I feel is that, that is the most important, and then uh, what I learned is that uh, we want we need to predict the future, and then set the research. To predict the future, we have to know many other fields. Utilizing this uh, many experience gives you a broad view from this many uh, understanding many. Fields or from marketing and sales, I could predict the future and then, uh, yeah, machine learning robots is so important. That's why we need it in chemistry. So yeah, I I would not recommend a specific
0: book, but read many books. Yeah, many variations of books. It's amazing that you mentioned you did sales job Mm -hmm. before you became a scientist. Yeah. And so essentially, in a way, Learning broadly outside your field, mm-hmm. outside your work, led you to be more original. Yeah, that's because right. one of your uh, suggestions to yeah. the students is be original. Yeah. And one of the ways to be original is to learn broadly, yeah. not just look at it from a narrow perspective. That's right. Thank you so much for yeah. your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you like our podcast, please subscribe on Spotify.